0: called lasting impact. We talked about how, you know, we're called to be his witnesses. We know that's what we're called to do. We've spent three months basically talking about this. You and I are witnesses, witnesses making an impact for the kingdom. And I start looking at that and going, what am I making an impact? Am I making an impact? You know, uh, for the purpose of like this series and the purpose of our teaching and discipleship right now, this is how we're defining impact. It's an encounter that has a life-changing effect on another's life. It's an encounter. Like yesterday, I'm telling you, God is doing this stuff in my life. I don't know. I'm not asking you for a show of hands. But is God doing this stuff in your life? It's not a rhetorical question, but I'm just putting it out there. Like, is God doing this stuff in your life? Are you having life-changing encounters with people? Are you having encounters that have a life-changing effect on people? Listen, I'm telling you, I'm not special. I'm not, I'm not like, well, I mean, I am special. We're all special in God's size, sight. But the the thing is, is like I don't have a special grace on me that maybe you 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 don't have. Like we all have the potential that if we make ourselves available, we all can make an impact. Like a life-changing experience. You and I can have those encounters that changes somebody's life forever because we're called to be people of impact. And you want it to be a lasting impact. You want it to be something that it's like, man, there's fruit. And when there, I don't know, like I've seen so many people in my life. I've seen, you know, friends of mine in Atlanta that have recently told us about uh, an encounter they had with somebody at a state park while they were on vacation. And God took uh, something that Shay and I impacted and influenced uh, one of their family members' life, and then a complete stranger comes up, and it and it adds to it, and then their son finds some things that the mom has in the Bible. And I'm, I'm telling you, like, major, major, major impact. And it didn't look like there was any impact because years went by when this young man went away from the Lord, and now... He's come back to the Lord and he's writing songs that people uh, like Maverick City are, are playing. And he's singing with these, you know, incredible uh, movement of worship right now. Why? Because there were some impacts being made in kids' ministry. <laughs> in youth ministry. I'm like, don't give up. Drag them to church. It doesn't matter if they look like they've stalled or... Gone backwards or, you know, just stagnant or whatever. Bring them because impact is happening. You can't be in the presence of God. You cannot be in the presence of God. And there not be some change. Now, your heart might not be changed, but something changes. Keep holding on to those moments. So, for me, yesterday... Um. I was going to get Shay's burritos. Uh, I know like if ever I'm at home on a Saturday morning and it's just kind of a lackadaisical Saturday morning, you know, as soon as we're out of bed, she's like, I really would like, don't tell me. Two sausage burritos with mild picante sauce from McDonald's, you know, large diet Dr. Pepper. I got it. Psh, psh, it's indelibly imprinted upon my brain. So I just, you know, just want to give you an idea of like how God works. So, so anyway, um, I'm going and making a few errands and whatever. And I'm like, I don't know how women are. Well, actually, I do know how women are. Uh, but I'm like, man, if, if I go in Walmart, dude, I've got that thing mapped out. Like I know where I'm going in that store. If Shay goes in and I'm with her, uh, it's always stressful for me. I'm like, tell me what items I need to get. Because like, okay, I'm out of here in 10 minutes. For her, she's like over here and over here and over here and another trip all the way back across the store. And I'm like, dude, if we just... As a matter of fact, y'all might think I'm so OCD or, or whatever, but I'm like, I literally... When, when she made me go buy groceries with her, thank you, God, for home delivery, uh, but when she made me go buy groceries with her, I said, I'm going to create a grocery list laid out in the order of the store so that when you write down, you'll write it down. And when we walk in, we walk in and here's the pharmacy. And here's health, health and beauty aids. And here's the garden center. And then there's the kids' toys. We don't need that. and But ev- everything is in, in an order, all right? So that's just how guys are. At least I am. So I'm on this trip yesterday and I've got it mapped out in my head, man. And I'm like, um... <sighs> I was going to go to McDonald's, but if I go to McDonald's, I'm going to have to loop around and backtrack and go to the donut shop. All right? And I'm like, I don't want to do that. Like, I'm, I'm actually closer to McDonald's, but, but I, I, if I go there, I've got to go all the way across town to get to the donut shop. So let me just go over there because when I come back to McDonald's, I've got to loop around to some other places over here. Well, why didn't you just end up there? Because that's further away from where I need to be. This is going to put me closer to home. All right? So that's how how it's working. All right? So let me get to the God part of this. So I was supposed to be at McDonald's, but I go to the donut store. All right? And when I pull up to the donut store, the line is literally out the building. And I walk up, and there's this young man standing in line. And I'm just talking to him, you know. And um, so, anyway, we, he, he seems talkative. Not, not overly talkative, but he's like, hey, sir, how are you doing? I'm like, I'm doing fine. And he's like, yeah, man, I, I usually come here early in the morning. So, I mean, he's talking a little bit, you know. And so I'm like, hey, you going to talk? I'm going to talk. And so... <laughs> I'm like, so what do you do for a living? And he's like, I, I uh, do some countertops and things like that. It's like, oh, cool. Do you do that locally? He's like, well, I'm from Mississippi all the way to the Florida Panhandle, and I'm kind of gone from home a lot and blah, blah, blah. Small talk, small talk. What do you do, sir? And uh, I said, now, I typically lie to folks. <laughs> I don't. I typically do not tell them I'm a pastor uh, because... As soon as you say that many times, it's like, oh, shut down. Or, oh, what church do you go to? Oh, I'll be there Sunday. Yeah, I'll be there Sunday. Dude, I don't want people to lie to me. I don't want them to be forced. You know, So I try my hardest most of the time to save the pastor card for later. And before you knew it, it was out of my mouth. And I'm like, I never do that. I never say I'm a pastor, you know? I'm, a, I'm like, you know, wh- what do you do? Well, I'm a teacher. I am. I'm a teacher. You know, I'm a counselor. I'm a counselor. You know, I'm a counselor. I, you know, all these different things. But it just was out there. It's like, I'm a pastor. And as soon as I said, I'm a pastor, I kid you not. I kid you not. Dude starts crying. Just like, not like boo-hoo-hoo, but just like tears just start flowing. And he says, uh, he said, oh man, he said, uh, man, I'm just going through so much right now. I'm like, okay. And uh, I get that a lot. Uh, that's why I don't tell everybody I'm a pastor, you know. <laughs> but, and he's like, and he, he, when Holy Spirit is moving on people, I've seen it so many times, and they don't know what that is, they will cry. And they don't know what it is, so they don't know what's happening. So it's foreign and weird to them, and uh, he's a Hispanic uh, guy. He's a Puerto Rican guy, and he's like, uh, he's like, oh man, I'm sorry. He's like, I don't know what's happening to me, and he's like, I'm sorry. He's like, I'm am just going through a lot, and he's like, and he's wiping his eyes, and he's wiping his eyes. Man, we're just trying to buy donuts. I'm like, do y'all got some crawlers? You know, like, and then he, you know, we're. I mean, we're, this place is full of people, and he is like, crying. And he's like, you know, I'm going through so much. He's like, do you do counseling? And I'm like, "Mm, sort of. And um, he's like, I'm going through so much. And just talking, talking, talking. Going through so much. Going through so much. So I'm like, I get it. He's going through a lot. And he's just crying. And he's just wiping tears. And I said, hey, man, let me pay for these donuts, and can we just, if we could just step outside, I said, I'll just say a little prayer over you. Now, I don't even know what's going on fully right now. You see what I'm saying? Like, I don't know what's happening. I mean, I know God's doing something, but I don't know fully what's happening. And so, y'all know last week what I told y'all. I met John on aisle nine at, uh, oh, Joe, okay, thank you, sweetheart, for correcting me. I met Joe, thank you, you really listen well. Joe, aisle nine. And that was my assignment, one of them for the day. That was one of my assignments for that day. And one of the, one of the um, uh, activations and application of last week's message, I don't know if you saw it, I sent it out to you. But one of the applications was, hey, begin to see every day as an assignment from God. Ask God, what's my assignment today? I'm telling you, if we'll start doing that, God will start showing us these things. And so here I am with uh, Will. Now, uh, they have gringo names, Will and Melanie. But, you know, I mean, he's, she's from Venezuela and he's from um, Puerto Rico. And as I'm talking to him, I'm, I'm, I'm about to pray for him. And I didn't know his wife was with him at the time. And he said, could I introduce you to my wife? And I'm like, oh, sure. So we walk over to their car and he opens the door. And I'm sure she's like, what are you doing? (laughs) You know, and so uh, they have a little baby, six months old. So I'm finding out a lot of information really rapidly here. All right. Uh, This guy is just raw. Like, he's just raw. I mean, he does, yeah, he's using words that you don't use in front of a pastor. You see what I'm saying? Like, he's not being disrespectful. He just doesn't know. But, like, he's just he's just him. And I'm like, I'm not here to judge. I'm just here to be. Whatever. I don't know what my part is, but I'll do my part, you know? And I'm there... And I'm like, can I pray for you? I ask, you know, do you mind, you know, his wife speaks very little English, so he's translating for her. All right? So I just, I say, can I put my hand on your shoulder? And he translates, and she's like, yes. I put my hand on her shoulder, and we're praying, and God's giving me, you know, just just some little simple things. Like, I'm telling you guys, nothing, because I'm sitting there, I'm like, God, if you want me to give them anything amazing and powerful and, you know. Like, guys, don't look for every impact to be some amazing Benny Hinn moment. Don't look for everything to be some Reinhardt Bunky evangelistic crusade in the middle of the donut shop. You know what I'm saying? It's got to be a Todd White moment. And I'm like, okay, I'm here. I think I hear you just like those people do. Yeah, nothing. Okay. All right. So I just pray a simple prayer. And I said, you know, but if I could be honest with you, because you've asked me about counseling, you've asked me two or three things, that I said, but if I could be honest with you, I said, man, the the things that you need help with only can be fixed by Jesus. I said, no amount of rehab, no amount of uh, family care, no amount of counseling, none of that will fix it unless there's a heart change. And he's like, I know, I know, I know, I need more God, I need more God. And I said, so, I said, you can make a difference in the life of your baby. Because he he alluded, and I'm, I know I'm kind of drawing this out for you, but he alluded to his upbringing and he wanted his son to grow up that same way. And I'm like, you can make an impact on him that wasn't made on you. Like you can, this can be totally different for you. And so I invited him to church and I'm like, oh, that's everything. Every Christian is going to be, and I'm like, no, no, no. I, I I'm like, Hey, that's what I do. Like, if I was a construction worker, I might offer to build him a house or something. But I'm a preacher. I'm a you know minister and blah blah blah. So I'm like, hey, I've got a friend. He's like a son to me. He pastors a church in Robertsdale. He he and his wife are both Hispanic, and and like your wife would fit great there. I said, um, you know, I invited him to our church. I even told several of our people be on the lookout for this family, and. So I'm like, this morning, all throughout service and everything, I did not see them. But while I'm, I'm, I'm uh, worshiping, I can feel my phone going off in my pocket. And I'm like, I don't know, who is texting me in church, you know, kind of thing. Like, everybody I know knows I'm a pastor and I'm doing something at this moment. And so while we had a break, I look down and, um, and I see that uh, Will Camacho, that's who this guy is that he texts me and he says, uh, hey, I can't find the church. Sorry to bother you. I'm in Robertsdale right now. So Gabby, he's looking for uh, your mom and dad's church. And uh, so I'm telling him, I'm like, hey, bro, it's right, right behind Hub City and it's right across the street from the Catholic Church. So, so wh- where am I going with all this? Like that, that moment, that moment, like it impacted this guy's life. So much so that they're in Robertsdale right now trying to find Oasis de Dios. You know, I hope to God that they find it, you know. And, and, and you know, we'll, uh, you, you know, we'll kind of keep connection. But I want to share with you today uh, about our opportunities for impact. That they're everywhere, they're all around us. And I want you to listen to this. God creates opportunities for me to be the impactor or the impacted. Let me say it again so you can kind of get it into your spirit. So God creates opportunities at the donut shop. So that rife is either one of these two things, the impactor or the impacted. I believe yesterday that I was the impactor, that God had me there to impact his life. And he was there. And I told him in the middle of all of this, I said, hey, man. At the last second, I decided I'm going to go to the donut shop instead of McDonald's. I said, if I had gone to McDonald's, I never would have met you. I would have totally missed that. So I'm like, isn't it beautiful how the scripture says, and he orders the footsteps, you know, of the righteous. Like, I'm telling you, there are just these little things. And it's like, I don't know that we will ever be so in tune with the Spirit. I hope that we are, and I want to be. But I don't know that we will ever be so in in tune with the Spirit that we go, hmm, maybe I'll go to the donut shop. There must be an impact opportunity for me there. (laughs) I I don't know that I will ever be. It may be I just go, I'm going to go to the donut shop. You know what I'm saying? But... While I went there, everywhere that we are, we got to be open to the fact that, man, there may be an opportunity for me to make an impact or either for me to receive. We're either on the giving or the receiving end of impact. Say it with me on the screen, okay? God creates opportunities for me to be the impactor or the impacted. All right, turn to Matthew chapter 9, all right, Matthew chapter 9. We're going to dive into this. This is where Matthew is being called into the ministry. All right? Matthew chapter 9. We're going to start at verse 9. And I'm just going to skip over some parts here because what's happening, if you'll just listen to me right now for a brief synopsis, what's happening is Jesus is calling Matthew into the ministry. Later, he's going to Matthew's house for a party that Matthew throws. And then uh, the, uh, the Pharisees, those are the really religious people that find fault with everything, uh, they show up and they start finding fault with him. Then some of John's disciples, uh, you know, follow up and they start asking him all these theological and church practice questions like, well, why do y'all do communion like that at your church? And the priest puts it on our tongue, you know, like, why do y'all do it that way? We don't fall out in the floor at our church. But, you know, as a matter of fact, nobody ever does anything at our church. We don't raise our hands or any, you know, like they're, they're getting into all this stuff. And they're like, why is it that your disciples don't do fasting? And, and, and over here, John's, we're John's disciples. We fast. We, we do this. Well, we're more spiritual than you guys are, you know, that kind of thing. And Jesus, he just goes into explaining to them, well, look, you know, you guys don't have me. That's basically what he s- says. Like, of course you guys are fasting. Like, like, you don't fast when you have the Messiah in your midst. Like, that's for when I'm gone. You can fast then. But then he goes on, and all of a sudden, there's the ruler of a synagogue. He comes in, and he's like, hey, I, I need you to come heal my daughter. I need you to come to my house. Heal my daughter. She's, she's, she's dying. While he's on his way, uh, there's some crazy lady in the crowd and she's like, if I could just touch him, you know, just reach out and touch the hem of his garment, I'll be healed of my... All right, so th- there's a lot going on here. And... On down, he heals, uh, he heals a blind uh, guy later. Uh, so, you know, that's happening. And when they left, they ended up, you know, there's a demon-possessed guy. There's a lot going on in this chapter, in this story. And then at the very end, he starts looking out at the crowds that are following him. And so I want to read when, it's, when he's being called, and I basically want to read towards the end uh, when he's looking at the crowd. So at verse 9, Ready? As Jesus was walking along, he saw. So take your pen and circle the word saw. Because that appears twice in this reading. Anytime things start showing up in multiplicity, you want to take notice of of those, those kinds of things. So as Jesus was walking along, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at his tax collector's booth. Come follow me and be my disciple. Jesus said to him. So Matthew got up and followed him. Hmm. Then later, Matthew invited Jesus and some of his disciples to his home as dinner guests, along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. But when the Pharisees saw this, they asked Jesus, like, why does, uh, they asked Jesus' disciples, so why does your teacher eat with such scum? In some versions, it says, you know, sinners. Um, And then Jesus says in verse 12, when he heard this, he said, healthy people don't need a doctor. This is so good. Like sick people do. And then he added, now go and learn the meaning of this scripture. Whoa, dude, that is a slap in the face. And they are too dumb to even know it. He's like, so... Religious teachers, theologians, you know, university professors. Why don't you go learn your lesson and then come back to me and tell me what you've learned? Like, like, that is a slap in the face to them. He's like, go learn. Go learn the meaning of this scripture. I want you to show mercy and not offer sacrifices. For I've come to call not those who think they are righteous, which the implication there is you think you are, but you're not. But those who know they are sinners, like one thinks we're righteous and we're not, but the other are certain I'm a sinner. Like you ever been around people? I don't know if you've been around rough people, like really just good old redneck folks. Like that is my family. I ain't even lying. Like, and they will flat out tell you, I've literally had some of them tell me stuff and I'm like, oh my God, they don't know what they're saying. They're like, man, I know I'm going to hell. Who says that? Y'all, see, y'all don't know rough rednecks like I do. But I'm just serious. I've literally had family members to say before, man, I know I'm on bus hell wide open. Oh my gosh, who would say that? But they know they are sinners. They ain't try. See, that's the difference. That is, oh, come on now, that's the difference between sinner folk and religious folk. Religious folk know they ain't religious and spiritual, but they fake it. And sinner folks, they know they ain't spiritual, and they just honest about it, knowing that they are sinners, and maybe not fully knowing what that truly means. You know, like to say, man, I know I'm going to hell. Like my brother, my, my very own flesh and bro- blood brother told me, I know I'm going to go to hell. That is a terrible, scary thing. But he's saying, I want you to go learn the meaning of this scripture and then I want you to come back and tell me what that says. All right? Well, guess what? To my knowledge, they never came back and they never told him what it says, which means to tell me they never learned the lesson. All right? And so I want you to jump down with me and read uh, here Jesus in verse 35. He traveled throughout all the towns and villages of that area, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news. So, man, he's out preaching, teaching. They're having revival meetings. I mean, you know, just receptive crowds. He's teaching them about the good news and the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. So signs and wonders, man, are following this. And then he says in verse 36, and when he saw, second time that we see this. So there's something about looking. There's something about seeing, an optic, you know. When he saw the crowds, he had what? Compassion on them. Because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And he said to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest and ask him to send more workers into the field. All right. I just want to go through a few things with this. So the two parts of this that I'm focusing on are one, Matthew's calling. All right. So at a at a very surface reading of this, this is what it looks like. It looks like Jesus is walking through town and he sees old Matthew over there. Hey buddy, you want to come follow me? Cool. Let's go. That's what it looks like. But see, if you if you ever get a chance to go over to Israel, it's going to be really cool because it's like it's a very it's actually a very small community. It's a very, it's a very well. The nation is small itself, but the cities are very small. So I'm like the it, it like the buzz of stuff happening. It spreads like very, very quickly. Shay and I, when we were in Israel uh, not too long ago, there was some commotion that happened in the Old Town Jerusalem, right at the uh, at David at, at the David's Temple uh, or uh, uh, where he's buried. Uh, right there. And I'm telling you what, man, a crowd quickly assembled to find out, like, what's the commotion over here, all right? Police were called, and it, you know, just, it's just some crazy person on the street doing some junk. But anyway, what happens, uh, Matthew is in this close-knit community, and he's hearing what's going on, all right? He's hearing about Jesus' Uh, performing miracles. He's hearing about the trouble that Jesus is supposedly stirring up. He's hearing about the accounts that are going on. He's probably already seen Jesus multiple times because they probably crossed paths. Listen, when Shea and I were over there, and we're going down these different streets and little alleys that, you know, are just practically like they were back then. We would pass people that we didn't even know, but it's like, oh, I saw you in, you know, the upper room, uh, uh, you know, over there. And then we're over here at the, you know, Church of the Immaculate Conception or whatever the, the, the places are. And it's like, oh, I saw those people there. So he's probably seen a lot of Jesus' activity, heard a lot about Jesus' activity, okay? So this is not the first that he's seen Jesus. And then the people who are the tax collectors, well, you know, it's not like there's a ton of them. So they're well known in the community. It's like h Block, you know, you know where those places are. It's like where you go to get your taxes done or the accountant or, or wherever. Like, it's a small community. They were very well known and highly disliked. Here's the thing that's beautiful about Jesus Coming into contact, again, life-changing encounter. Remember, that's what impact is. An encounter with a life-changing effect on another. He is about to come into contact with Matthew. And as he's saying to Matthew, like you, we can't miss the significance of his encounter with Matthew, okay? Because here's what he was saying. He's like, hey, Matthew... I know you are so dishonest. Come follow me. Hey, Matthew, liar. Can't trust a word coming out of his mouth. Liar. Hey, liar. Come follow me. Hey, betrayer of your own people. Come follow me. You would sell your mama for a dollar. Come follow me. The people that... He would betray his own Jewish heritage and consort with the Romans, come follow me. Like you betray your own people, come follow me. Your own people want to string you up, come follow me. Hey, you dishonest person that you gouge your own people because the tax collectors, they went into bidding wars, basically, with the Roman government. And, you know, they, whoever had, see, the Romans didn't do the lowest bidder. They did the highest bidder. Why? They want the highest return. So it's like, if your commission, you know, is going to be X percent low, but Butch, he's going to have a higher, it's like, well, we're going with him because he's going to bring more money to the Roman government. So Matthew is a stick it to his own people kind of guy. This is the kind of guy, that's why when you read, when I was younger and I didn't really fully understand the scripture, I would go like, dude, what is so wrong With tax collectors, because when you see them in Scripture, it's like tax collectors and sinners. It's like, that would be like us saying today, accountants and sinners. You see what I'm saying? The reason tax collectors, they were ruthless. And, you know, I know that we're all watching... the chosen and you know, Matthew, he's the sweetest little guy, kind of autistic and you know, OCD and you know, a cute little guy playing Matthew. I, when I read the scripture, I think of, I think of Matthew as like Joe Pesci. <laughs> you know, that's who I think. And he's like, dude, he's not some cute little autistic guy. He's like, you know, yo, I'm just here, I'm here to tell you. You know, I'm going to break your legs. I'm going to break your legs. It's like the Jewish mafia. That's what tax collectors were like. They were like the Jewish mafia. You do not mess with them. Why? Because many times they have Roman guards with them. When Jesus looked at him and he called him, he knew that he's calling the lowest of the low. He's calling people that like, I'm just telling you, if you don't want, if you want somebody on your team that's integrity, you're not going to invite him. As a matter of fact, uh, it's so bad if you think about this. Who was the money keeper among the disciples? Who? All right. That shows you how bad his reputation was. That the man who handles the money, we don't even trust him. Let's give it to Judas. But God sees him and he sees opportunity through him. He didn't judge him for who he was. Like my encounter yesterday. Like I'm not judging this young man because like I... There's so much more that I can tell you that I don't have time to tell you that, that my senses were picking up on that if I had let my religious person you know take over, I'd, be, I'd begin to judge. I'd begin to judge. I'd begin to judge. And that would affect how I you know would go about what maybe, but I'm like, nope, that's not important. I see this, that's not important. I see that, not important. I'm just here to, God, what do you want me to do? So it's like, I see him, I see him. And you know what I saw in this young man? I saw that, man, this guy's broken and hurting. And it's like, there was, this, there was this time where it's like, I'm telling you, just total stranger, and that I'm just like, can I hug you? Can I hug you? And I'm like, I just, this is, this is just me. Maybe it's just me. But I felt like such a daddy in that moment. I'm like, it felt so good. I'm like, I'm hugging my big old boy. You know, I'm just, I just love you. And I just, and I, and I was saying to him, you're a good man. You are a good man. You are a good man. And I just, that was my encouragement. That was my prophesying over him. What's prophecy? Prophecy is the spirit of encouragement. I'm just trying to help you. I'm just trying to teach you what's your impact. I, I, I wasn't like, you know, hugging him and like, Now, if I got it, I'd I'd give it. If I got it, I would give it. But I'm I'm fixing to prophesy over him. Hang on. The Lord is saying to me that, you know, next Thursday at 12 o'clock, you're going to, you know, no, I don't have any of that. What do I have? Encouragement. Encouragement. The spirit of prophecy is the spirit of encouragement. So, at the end of the day, man, every single one of us, see, we look at it and we, we think, man, I gotta come up with the word, God. You gotta, I gotta be in tune. No, you know how to say good things. You know, but Pastor Reif, you don't know that he's a good man. I do know because every person, every person that God created is a son, and a daughter the enemy just got in in the middle of the fall and has lied to everybody who doesn't know their true identity and he's just he's just grew up believing lies and he needs somebody to speak the truth of his identity and he's been told he's such a bad man he's been told that he's not good he's been told that he can't do this he's been told all these things and he didn't have a model he just needs somebody to recalibrate and realign him and just say hey buddy you're a good man." You are a good man. And I said to him a couple of times, I said, if I never see you again, I want you to remember this. That God loved you so much that he sent a guy that doesn't even know you and turned him around just to meet you at the donut shop, to tell you, you are a good man and your life is better going that way than what it looks like going back. I'm telling you, things are gonna get better for you. And I step away and that's, that's all my job is unless God wants there to be something more from that. All right, let me share with you a few things. There's six things that opportunity might look like, all right? There are six things that I've come up with that opportunities for impact might look like. Number one, they might look like an interruption. Last week, we're church work day. I got Jim and Dennis breathing down my neck about pot and soil. (laughs) I'm headed on my assignment to get more pot and soil and I already told you, there's Joe on aisle nine. He can't get the cooler down. I'm like, sir, can I help you with the cooler? We begin to, oh, Joe, man, he starts talking, well, back in 1936 when I was born. And then he's taken me through the Great Depression and then, you know, both world wars. And, then, and, I'm, and, and I feel my, in my flesh, I feel in my flesh, oh, Jim, breath right here. It's right here on my neck, you know. I feel it. And, I, and I'm like, Joe, could you speed it up? Could you speed it up? Could you speed it up? Because it looked like an interruption to my day. And then when I felt that flesh ri- rising up in me, I'm like, I literally said this to my, to, to my flesh in my head because I didn't want him to think I was crazy. I said, I said it like this. I said, body, calm down. Calm down. This is more important than the plants back at church. This is my assignment. It seemed like an interruption. Matthew, when he got called, do you think, you know, he caught him in the middle of his day? He caught him in the middle of, you know, work time. And it's like, what? You're going to I can't leave. I, I have a contract with the Roman government. Like, I can't just leave. It's an interruption. It was an interruption. Sometimes your your impact opportunities are going to seem like an interruption. I've had this to happen to me multiple times, and so many times. Thankfully, God spoke to me. I've had ha, I got stuff to do. God, I got a I got a system. I've got a, a task list, and Holy Spirit would say, I, I'm, "I'm serious. I hope God works with you this way," but. I heard Holy Spirit one day. I was helping this lady. Her name was Lisa over at the other church building that we used to be in. And it, I'm there, and I'm doing stuff at the church. I don't even look like a pastor or preacher or anything. And she asked me, she's like, uh, she pulls up, and it's like, oh, you can tell. There's just certain people that you, you know. Oh, God, this is going to be one of those. Help them, and it's going to take a minute. And she walked up to me, and I promise you, I so thought about lying to her. Um, she walks up to me and she's like, uh, is the pastor here? And I'm, I, I, I was like, no, he's not. Because I didn't look like the pastor. I was just all nasty and outside cleaning up. And I think I was pressure washing. And she begins to tell me her life story and things. And, and I'm like, I don't have time for this. I, God is my witness. I said that. I'm like, I do not have time for this today. Isn't that horrible? I'm just trying to tell you what my flesh was saying and Holy Spirit says this is exactly what you have time for. We are in the people business, not the pressure washing business. And so I sat there and, you know, it ended up being a, you know, a time where for several months we were in relationship with her and helped her with some pretty incredible things. But it can seem like an interruption guys. and. It can then seem inconvenient, like, ah, oh, man, man, man. I remember. I can't. Rem- I, I, I remember in scripture, and I, it's a little fuzzy, but just bear with me. I think it was Peter that was ministering to Felix in the Book of Acts, and he's explaining the way, and he's explaining uh, the scripture. And as he's explaining it, he says, "Uh, you you almost persuade me. You almost persuade me. And he says, why don't you come back at a time that's more convenient? And we never, ever, ever read elsewhere in Scripture what the follow-up to that was was there ever a convenient moment or was was that the moment? What I'm trying to say to you is like, it may seem like an interruption and it may seem inconvenient, but you may never get that opportunity again and they may never get it again. So do you see how important it is for us to be in alignment and in sync with Holy Spirit? Why do we sing? More we sing that because we need more of him. We need more, more, more uh, uh, intuition, more discernment. That's the spiritual word that we call it. We need more wisdom because there are people that will ask us questions that we don't know the answer to. But the answer is ultimately the good old Sunday school answer, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. It can also look irreverent. It can look irreverent. You know, Matthew, what happens? He gets called into ministry, all right? He gets called into ministry, and then what does he do? He's like, do you want to come to my house? Bring some of your disciple friends with you. I'm going to bring some of my friends. And dude, you read with me, they were like other tax collectors, scum, And then it said, and other disreputable. Like, dude, they're lower than scum. And these are the people that they're having. And you know, I don't know if you've ever been to those kind of parties, but they're lively. (laughs) They're not like Christian parties. I grew up in that house. You know what I'm saying? Like, our house and our other friend's house was the pate house. It's raw rank degenerate, debaucherous, lasciviousness. It's it's not good. And Jesus, the preacher's there. The preacher is there. What would y'all say about me? The preacher, the Messiah, was in the middle of all of that. And here come the religious folk. Huh, wonder what he's doing over there. They got all those hoochie mamas at Matthew's house, look at them how they're dressed and can listen to that music and the words coming out of their mouths and he calls himself a preacher. Like your impact man, it might look irreverent, but I'm just telling you at the end of the day, I seriously I just don't worry about this kind of stuff. At the end of the day I don't really care what people say about me or think about me because I am so in tune with with my father, that I'm like God. I'm going to do what you tell me to do, and I, you know, and I, I, if if Glenna sees my car over there, and like, you know, what what if you saw my car? Because you know what my car looks like. What if you saw my car at the adult novelty store, you know, or whatever? I mean, I, I don't. I'm just trying to think of something, and it's like, you know, and we walk out, and I'm like, hey. I know what this might look like, but listen, I'm just, you know, like, I'm just sorry. If you sit under me and you don't know me, dude, I don't don't know what else to tell you. So I just don't worry about stuff like that. I don't worry about religious folks. Sometimes it might seem irreverent and sometimes it might be irreverent. Like, you know, I used to get so upset when people uh, said cuss words around me. I used to get so upset. And especially if they said the GD word. Like, because I was raised, that's taking the Lord's name in vain. Well, it might be, but that's really not what that scripture means. It means walking around saying you're a Christian and you're really not a great reflection of him. That is taking the name of the Lord in vain. God is not offended by language as much as he is by heart. But I used to get so offended and I could not even think straight. Now I'm like, dude, just be you and we're gonna wade through all of this stuff and we'll get to the other side of this. But don't let your offense, don't, don't let people who aren't spiritual in relationship with God, don't let their irreverence of you you know, because I, I had this lady one time, she was talking to me and I knew her and I had a little love crush on her daughter years ago. And I saw saw her out in the mall and, you know, and she's like, you know, well, uh, man, I tell you, blankety-blank blank, I hadn't seen you in so many blankety-blank years and blankety-blank and this and that. and that. How blankety-blank is your mama doing and blah, 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 blah. And I mean, dude, she's going to town. And so she said, uh, So where are you? What are you doing? And I'm like, well, I'm a pastor. And she's like, oh, blankety blank. Why didn't you tell me? (laughs) And I'm like, because I just want you to be you. I just want you to be you. Like your language is not offending me. You know, we've got to be careful that we don't let someone else's irreverence for us miss our moment of impact. That I get so offended by your irreverence that I miss my moment. You know what I'm saying? So these last three. Um, Things opportunity might look like. It might look like an investment. All right. I'm just. Hey, I'm going to tell you. Jesus throughout all chapter nine. What was he doing? He's investing in Matthew. Hey, you want to come over to my house? Uh, Tonight, my next. uh, My favorite Netflix series is on tonight. Um man can we do next week no he's inviting you now are you following me I'm trying to make this super practical for us like um, where did Jesus go he invested his time he put his he's decreasing he's decreasing so the father can increase he's like you know what I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna miss that show tonight you know what I, I'm going to have to call and tell them I'm going to be late. You know what? Why? Because I'm making an investment. I'm investing my time. Not only am I investing my time, Jesus, they invested uh, their money. The disciples, they pulled their money. And many times they were funding the ministry that they did. So it's like investing. It's going to look like an investment. You're impact moments are going to be an investment it's going to be something what what have you got to give what have you got to give because God's put stuff inside of you and me so that we can pour it out into these people and I'm telling you if the pastor of the church thinks it don't you think for a minute that you are not going to think it can I just be honest with you second time I've asked you that this morning so you know it's fixing to come. While I'm talking to Will yesterday, I'm like, he's told me about 10 times that he's got a lot going on. He's he said it over and over. So this could be a high maintenance situation. I, I'm, my flesh is telling me this. But here's where we've got to look at it, guys. Like, listen, all I have to do is my part in the impact. Mine might have been just yesterday at the donut shop, and that's it. But what if, what if Will and his wife got saved? What if Will and Melanie and little Dio, what if they got saved? And what if Dio is the next most amazing evangelists to the country of venezuela or new york city or you know the greatest teacher or a politician or something like what if what if like it's about the investment and so it could look insurmountable and it might even look inconceivable because when you get down to the part where it says Jesus is looking out at the crowds and he had compassion on them and he said that the harvest is great but the workers are so few he's looking out and he's going guys I'm just telling you I'm telling you this is the words of Jesus he's looking out and he's going whoo it's a bunch of them guys oh my god they're everywhere they're it's, it's white. It's, the harvest is so plenteous. But like on the other side of the coin, the laborers, there's few, there's few. Listen, the church needs nursery workers. The church ch- needs children's workers. The church needs missionaries. The church needs this, that, the other, da, 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 da. And it's like, we never have enough. I've been at big churches and I've been at ch- churches smaller than this one. Never have I ever been at the church? And it's like, hey, thank you for volunteering. You're, we're putting you on a wait list. You're number 40. You know, so, uh, you know, we'll get hopefully within the next, you know, nine months, 10 months, we might be able to get you a slot in. That's never happened. It didn't happen in Jesus' day. It's not happening now. And it ain't going to happen right before Jesus comes. That There's so many opportunities. But he's like, Listen. It might seem insurmountable, like we're not going to be able to do it. We're not going to be able to do it. So insurmountable, like I can't do it. Like we spoke to one of our uh, teenagers years ago. She's uh, she's a, an adult now, and she went off to Africa on a missionary trip, and then she came back, and she uh, she she had some issues and we're sitting down at you know uh, a table me and another leader and she said you guys lied to me and i'm like what what do you, what did we lie to you about and she's like you guys told me that i could be a world changer and she's like and that's a lie I can't, you know, I can't do, like I go over there and I see all this stuff in Africa that needs to be done and all of these thousands of kids that are starving and everything. And she's like, y'all lied to me. You said that we could be world changers. You said we could go make a difference. What she's feeling is she's feeling like it's insurmountable. There's too many of them. Like, what can I do? It might even be that it's inconceivable. Like Matthew, like, me you you want me to follow you yes he wants you he wants you he wants you who's cheated on your wife so many times you can't count he wants you that you know you're addicted to pornography he wants you that you know you're struggling with drugs he wants you that you have anxiety issues and panic attacks he wants you that you're mad at the person on the road behind you he wants you for he wants you and he wants me. It's, it's not, the devil's telling you, it's inconceivable. You are not good enough. I'm telling you, it is totally conceivable. God wants every single one of us to be men and women of impact. Now, I don't know if this is a true story or not, but there's a story about a guy And he's walking along a beach one day. All right. And as he's walking along the beach, again, don't know if this is metaphor. uh, I don't know if this is actual or not, but he's walking along the beach one day and he comes upon this area and there are these just thousands and thousands of starfish everywhere. And he's like, these little guys, they're going to die. Like, I'm, I'm telling you tens and tens and tens of thousands of these things. And he's like, you know, so he comes up and he's like, he's like, he's like, and he's like, he's tossing these things out into the ocean. And, and he's, he's like, and this guy walks up and he's like, what are you doing? And he's like, I'm, I'm saving these. I'm saving these starfish. And he's like, what do you mean you're saving them? Like, there's no way you're going to save all of these. And he's like, but I've saved that one. And I saved that one. And I saved that one. And I saved that one. What's he doing? He's making an impact. And if I could just go back to talking to her, I'm like, did you feed any kid while you were over there? Well, yeah, I did. Did you give them a cup of cold water or a Kool Aid or something? I did. Well, Jesus said, Inasmuch as you gave them just a cup of cold water, you did that to me. When you did it to them, it was equal to you doing it to me. And it's like, You are a world changer. You are and did make an impact. Did you, did you save all of them? No, he doesn't call us to do that. All he does is, hey, you know what? Just, just talk to the guy at the donut shop. Just, just talk to the guy on aisle nine at Lowe's. Just talk to the guy tomorrow at work. Just talk to your mom, you know, and do you see what I'm saying? It's like, just be the impact that God puts in front of you. I'm telling you, church, if we get on board and say, God, what's my assignment? Every day, God's going to start putting people in front of you. And we're going to stop looking at impact opportunities as in, hey, guys. Here's Tom and Shirley and their 12 kids. They all got saved. They all got filled with the evidence of speaking in tongues and the Holy Ghost. And I led them through all of the, you know, we don't do catechism at our church. But I took them through the 12 steps of regeneration. But you know what I'm saying? It's like if we would get that out of our mind and just go, what is my part right now? And let God figure out the rest. See? See? I'm not going to beat myself up. Today, whenever I invited Will and his wife, Melanie, to church, I think I told my wife this last night. I said, I invited them. Whether they'll be there or not, I don't know. But that's not my responsibility. All I had to do was my part, and I'm going to look for them And if I look for them and they're not there, I'm not going to (laughs) go, I'm such a failure as an impactor. No, I'm telling you what, Paul said it this way. He said, Apollos watered. Paul planted, Apollos watered. God will bring the increase. Paul, you just plant, move on. Apollos, you come and you add a little more to it. Whatever happened to those people over in Turkey or, you know, Ephesus or all the, I I don't know. I'm trusting that the Lord is taking care of them, but I did my part. All right? So here's how we can apply this message. All right? Look for impact opportunities that show up daily. Listen, the two words that I pointed out to you in that, Do you remember what they were? Saw. He looked. Twice he looked. All you have to do. Like, you don't have to go create the opportunity. God will create it. You just have to recognize it. And it's like on aisle nine when I turned around the corner and there's Joe. I'm like, I didn't create that. I didn't force anything to happen. It just happened. But I saw it. Just look for them. They're going to be around you every day. And guess what? I know there are young people in the crowd today. Guess what? They're not just for old people like me. They're for young people. And then the last is this. Create or participate in impact opportunities in a larger community setting. See, I'm not going to be with you tomorrow when your impact opportunities show up. That's an individual thing. You're going to have probably, you know, several of those this coming week. But as we go forward in this series, I'm going to begin to talk to you about, so what are we doing as a local church to create impact opportunities? And I want you to consider getting involved with them. Like, I'll just toss this one out right quick. There's a man sitting right there. Lynn Lanier, he has an incredible ministry to inner city youth. Last year, a few of us dove in, kind of helped him out with that. um, And we kind of caught it on the tail end, but we are able to come in. But that's an amazing opportunity for us as a church to get behind what is already happening. And I'll talk to you a little bit more about that later. But what are we doing being doers of the word so thank you so much for first of all opening your ears to the message of the Lord today about being people of impact and so as we pray today our prayer team will be down front if you want to pray about anything healing physical needs financial needs if you want to talk and uh, pray specifically about those uh, prayer team go ahead and just come and after we close you can come down and be with them um, but as you go out this week, go out of this place and put into practice. If you don't put it into practice, it's like you looked at yourself in the mirror and you saw your hair disheveled, you had a piece of ugly spinach between your teeth and you go, mm, okay, I'm fine. No, you would fix that. You would take care of all of that. So you've been delivered the word today. Go fix whatever in your world needs to be fixed to come in alignment with this word, okay?